Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Feeling good? Are you loving Jesus? Hallelujah. I like when Jesus comes to church. Jesus is a churchgoer, even if you don't see him. He's at somebody's church. I'm happy when he chooses this one. Amen? Amen. We don't take that for granted around here. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hey, I got a, a, a while you're, while you're finishing up your giving, heard a cool, wow, cool testimony, um, I guess on Wednesday night and at the jail, um, they prayed for a guy who was in a wheelchair and he hadn't walked in three years, I guess, and he got out of the wheelchair and was walking. Amen. Amen. You're like, well, is that a big deal? If you're in a wheelchair, it's a big deal. Oh, how, how, how well did he walk? Better than he was sitting. Amen. Ha. Huh. I'll take any level of miracle personally. Amen. 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 Ha. <clears throat> huh. We had a really cool time on Thursday in the burning room. Um, excuse me, Friday night in the burning room. We had a, uh, a girl in the sixth grade got baptized in the Holy Ghost, which is cool in and of itself. But uh, <clears throat> and then uh, she started getting uh, this, I don't know, this presence of God fell in the room. And so she got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then she just prayed for everybody in the room. We had her pray for everybody in the room. The room was completely wiped out. It was, it was insane. If you watch the video uh, on YouTube, don't be offended. Blessed are those who are not offended by what Jesus does. Amen? That's what Jesus said, right? Blessed are those who are not offended. He said that to a believer. Right? That wasn't for the world. That was for us. Sometimes Jesus can do some things that could seem offensive. Like, why are you doing that? Why are you, why you got me here? What do you got me doing that? We have to not be offended with God. Amen? I'm trying to help you out, right? I'm, I'm trying, you're not doing me a favor, right? Don't be offended with God. I mean, like, he is working on levels we don't know about. Amen? Like, he doesn't map out. Like, can you imagine if God had to tell us everything that he's doing, he, could, he would have to limit what he does to our understanding. I need God to do stuff beyond my understanding, right? I need God to be working on levels beyond my understanding. And if I have to understand everything he's doing, then he has to limit what he's doing until I can understand it. All right? I, I can't understand the TV guide sometimes. You know what I mean? Like you, I, you do not want his activity limited on my ability to understand it. Amen? He's working on levels we don't understand. So we're working our way through the book of Acts. Today we find ourselves at Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 36. If you've got a Bible, you can join me there as I read the Word of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, it says, Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, <clears throat> who was also called Barnabas. Like, they don't, if they're going to change your name in, that, in the Bible, you get a name change. They didn't call him Joey. They didn't call him Joe. They called him Barnabas, right? <clears throat> now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the 
apostles' feet. Say amen to the reading of the word. Yeah, I'm starting a new message series today. And uh, the message, uh, the series title is Money Talks. Or Money Talks. (laughs) However you want to listen to it. It's either way. It It really is so versatile. But Money Talks. Money Talks. Right? It, goes, it just goes either way. It's just so we could use it again for another series. Who knows? <clears throat> Here's what I want you to get out of this message. I have the same point. I'm going to make it three times today. And if you get it the first time, act like you didn't hear it the first couple times. And at the third time, oh, right? It just makes me feel better about my communication abilities uh, if you're getting something out of it. Here's what I want you to get. And if you're taking notes, write this down. <clears throat> this is what I want you to get. You might as well just stay there, Brandon. The Lord is on you. You might as well just stay there and surrender. Hallelujah. Here's what I want you to get. Every time Jesus talks about money, it's not about money. It's about trust. <clears throat> now, at Revival Life, we, I don't have any problem teaching on money. Um, Jesus talked about money a lot. Paul talked about money. The Bible talks about money. I talk about money. We're at the Bible. Talk about money. I talk about money. You might have been in a church that would shake you down um, and you felt weird about it. We just don't do that here. It's just, it's not something, it's not in our DNA. It's not in our nature um, you're not going to leave here guilty, at least not from me, right? We're not receiving an offering at the end. We're not having a special offering coming up. We don't have a building fund coming up. We are paying our bills just fine. And uh, like this, like we, we're like the goal here is not to get in your pocket. If you have, um, if you've been at a church that did that, just forgive. Just forgive, right, and move on with your life. We can't, we can't avoid every subject in the Bible that's been, teached wrong, that's been taught wrong, teached, been taught wrong, right? Uh, and so um, we, I, I have um, friends who are scared to teach on money, and I'm like, it's in the Bible. That's, that's the plan of the devil in your life to keep you from talking about it. We can't not talk about stuff that's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, right? Um, the way I teach on money, just so you know, is... Um, I, my goal is not to get you to give. My goal is to encourage people who are giving. I need you to fully be aware of what is happening when you're faithful to God in your finances. And as you're generous to God, I need you to be expecting and to partnering with God in what yeah. he's trying to accomplish through your life. Amen? So that's my goal. Um, if you are a visitor today, again, we're not going to receive an offering. So just relax, right? You don't have to put your hand on your purse. You don't put your hand on your wallet. But we are going to talk about money because, like I said, Jesus talked about money. And um, we need to lift the fear off of finances. We need Jesus in every area of our life. And so as you read the scriptures and you see Jesus talking about money, he's not talking about money. He's talking about trust. Believe it or not, Jesus doesn't actually need your money. He's got plenty of money. He doesn't even need money. But he's got plenty of it. He's paving streets with gold. He's literally paving street. He has so much money. He's like, I think I'll just make a road out of my money. Like he's balling, right? Like he's got no lack. And if he had any, he could just make more. He's the original money printing press, right? He literally spoke it into existence, right? So God doesn't need our money. um, And uh, uh, he's not, he's not hard. He's not having a hard time paying his bills. Believe it or not, he's not having a hard time paying his bills. The gospel is not being um, held back because somebody didn't tithe this week, right? It's just not, like he's able to do lots of stuff, right? So 
just relax, <clears throat> but I do want to encourage you, and I want you to see maybe something in Scripture you haven't seen before so that you can be that much more encouraged as you give. So we find ourselves, like I said, we're working our way through the book of Acts. We're in chapter 4. We're at the end of the book of, excuse me, the end of chapter 4 in the book of Acts. And if you remember, there was a showdown between the Sanhedrin and the disciples, and the disciples were brought in front of the Sanhedrin. Wow. And there was a... Um, there was a contest. There was a showdown. And the point of the showdown was, who is going to have influence over your life? Fear or God? That's the showdown. Who is going to have influence over your life? God or fear? And God is not the author of fear. That means it comes from the enemy. And the enemy works in your life on levels through fear. It's what we're scared to do. It's what we check with before we obey God. It's, it's what we keep and we call it wisdom. But really, it's fear, right? And God wants us to operate in faith. He wants us to, 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 to trust him in all things. And he really, I think, really does not like the enemy having a foothold in our heart. I believe God wants you to be free of fear. I believe God wants you to be free of fear. I even believe he wants you to be happy. I also don't think God cares if you're rich or not. I don't think he minds at all. And I'm actually going to show that in the scriptures in the next couple of weeks. He doesn't have anything, uh, and there's a false teaching that says um, you're supposed to be poor, um, and that's, I can't find that in the Bible. I can't imagine God wants us to be in lack since he says that we would have everything that we need, so that don't even make sense. Some people say we have to stay broke so we can trust God, and I say if that's what it takes for you to trust God, then stay broke. I would like to have money and trust God. Yeah. Amen. 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 Now, if, if it becomes an idol in your life, and you're like, I don't really trust him when I have lots of money, well, then maybe God is telling you to be broke for a season. That's not what he's speaking to me. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, amen? I have been broke in love with Jesus, and I have money in love with Jesus. I have found it nicer to have money. That's just what I have found. <laughs> I like to pray things other than, oh, Lord Jesus, how am I going to pay my bills? Like, like when I don't have money, that seems to be a very uh, frequent topic of my prayer life. And I like praying for people's finances. I just don't necessarily like praying for mine, right? Yeah. Amen and amen. So they had this contest, like, who are you going to trust, fear or God? And they tried to threaten them a little bit, like, hey, don't follow God or we're going to rough you up a little bit. And they're like, yeah, well, worst thing you can do is send me to heaven, right? And so they were not intimidated. And so they decided, they go back to their friends. We could tell there was a little fear on them when we went back to their friends because their friends washed them in the water of the word prayed with them, and then they all prayed for boldness, all right? Boldness in the face of fear. They prayed for boldness. And so many of us, we don't necessarily need to pray for more money. We need to pray for more faith in our finances. Amen. We need to pray for more faith in our finances. We need to be able to trust God even when we don't see how he's going to do things. But this prayer for boldness, they said, Lord, you know, look upon their threats and, you know, just help us out here. Stretch forth your hand to heal. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to do your stuff. Please, Lord. Please, just be with us. Be with us. And then the Holy Ghost fell, right? The Spirit of Christ fell. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then there was a whole move of God that happened right after that prayer. After that prayer, Holy Spirit came, and the Bible says that they preached the gospel of the kingdom, right? The, the whole threat was, you don't preach this name of Jesus anymore. We're going we're to rough you up. They prayed for boldness. They preached the gospel of the kingdom. And... They demonstrated the kingdom with power. And they lived the gospel through giving. We see those three things that happened in that revival. They gave everything. 
they preached, they laid forth their hands, stretched forth their hands to heal. And we see this amazing revival that broke out that people started giving everything. They started selling everything they own and, and giving it so that nobody would have need and people would sell land and people would just, they, they no longer um, uh, looked at themselves, they went from me to we. Now, it's important to understand that this was not common in the New Testament. We don't see that everywhere the Spirit is poured out. We see several outpourings in the New Covenant. We see several outpourings in the book of Acts. And nowhere in the book of Acts do we see this particular offering happen again. But there are things we can learn from this scripture. That's why it's in the Bible. Amen? So <clears throat> I got to believe, as we've talked about, they were in the Spirit when the Spirit was poured out, they were in the Spirit, right? And when you're in the Spirit, uh, things that don't make sense outside the Spirit make sense in the Spirit. When you're in the presence of God, there's things that make sense that don't make sense outside the presence of God. That's why we want to try to stay in the presence of God all the time so it's not so hard to obey Him when we leave the presence of God, right? That's why we want to live lives that the presence of God is with us. So when God tells us something crazy like, hey, man, you know that new thing you just bought? Why don't you just give it to that person over there? In the presence, you're like, absolutely, God, that's going to be awesome. And then you get out of the presence. You're like, man, I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> Satan, get behind me. That's my new thing, right? That's my shiny thing. And uh, how many of you have bought many things? I'm, don't raise your hands, but you just buy stuff and you go to look at it. And the Lord's like, you know, that belongs to that person, right? Like, but I bought it, God. God's like, yes, thank you for buying that for me. Now go ahead and give it to homie over there. That's part of life. Amen. That's part of life in the spirit. That's part of life in the spirit. It's part of life that God challenges our heart in the spirit, but in the spirit, he shows us what it's like to not have idols. Because he's so present. We, we, we have no problem loving. We have no problem when he tells us, you need to go repent to that person. You need to go ask that person for forgiveness. You need to go tell that person you love them. You need to go give that person a holy hug. You need to go reconcile with that person. Because that's what happens when the spirit of Christ comes in the room. The spirit of reconciliation comes. All of a sudden, we're not concerned about our own well-being. We're concerned about the well-being of the body because that's what Jesus cares about. And so in the spirit, we start doing things that we may not necessarily do outside the spirit because unfortunately, we leave and God never told us to leave the presence. <clears throat> and I just believe, and the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe that they were in the presence and they got this impression, I need to give everything. And they remembered the words of Jesus. It started, started making sense. You know, Jesus talked to them before they got filled, and they had no idea what he was talking about half the time, right? They just, they just, they had no idea. And the scripture actually says, they asked him one time, he gave an answer, and then they just stopped questioning him. That's what the Bible says. They're just like, yeah, we're, they just stopped questioning him after that. We have no idea what you're talking about, but we know it's the truth. We're just going to keep following you. And, and, and the reason is because they didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. And I believe that when this outpouring happened and, and then they began giving, I, I bet they began to remember the words of Jesus. You, you, you remember when he talked about in Matthew 6, and, he, and I'll paraphrase, he says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, right? Verse 20, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And he says, where, where their thieves do not break in and steal. Now imagine in their carnal mind, to us that makes sense. That makes sense to us. Don't store up treasures on earth, search, store them up in heaven. That makes sense to us. I don't know why it makes sense to us, because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. How do you store things in heaven? I don't have storage in my closet, right? Like, I, I, like my garage is full. And, you know, so the natural mind says, how do I get more space maybe in heaven for my stuff 
because I don't have enough room for it. And so when he told them, like, think about this. Don't store up treasure on earth. Store it in heaven. What? Wait, what? Wait, what? Right? Like, like the people who led the church at the time, the, the temple, all the temple leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were all wealthy. As a matter of fact, you had to be wealthy. As a matter of fact, they considered wealthy to mean that you're closer to God. Because if you were close to God, of course, you would be rich. <clears throat> Let me give an aside here. <clears throat> There's a lot of crazy doctrine that goes around. And there's fad doctrines that go around. Everybody's supposed to be a billionaire. Nobody's supposed to question their pastor. There's like different seasons of crazy doctrines. And I want to help you not get blown away by false doctrines, right? And this is a test. When you hear a doctrine, and it's mostly based on scriptures in the old covenant, it's time to go, hmm? Because that's not the covenant I'm actually under. Hear me. The crazy doctrines of our day are all based in the Old Testament. I'm not saying the Old Testament is not true. Hear me. I'm just saying it's not your testament. It's not your covenant. It's not the covenant you're in. We are in a better covenant. This one's better than that one. That's why we call it the old one. We want to live in the New one. Now, if you want some Old Testament blessings, you're going to have to do some Old Testament conditions. And I don't know how many of you own rams and bulls, and I'm not sure how Boca is going to feel about you slaughtering them in the midst of a street while burning them as offerings to God. But I have a feeling the police are going to show up rather quickly. And when you tell them, I actually want abundance, that's why I'm slaughtering this thousand cows in East Boca, they're probably not going to agree with your reasoning. You hear what I'm saying? We are in a better covenant. Are you with me? We're in a better covenant. We don't have, I mean, if you've never slaughtered an animal, thank Jesus. <laughs> For your righteousness. Are, are you hearing me? Are you, are you hearing me? I, I need you to hear this. We're, we're, in a, we're, in the, we're in the covenant of grace. That doesn't mean there's nothing required of us. But we don't need to go searching through an old covenant to find some blessings. Amen. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there's your heart. And so if only the wealthy people were the ones close to God, that had to make no sense to them. Like, what, what, what are you telling me? What is, but, but Paul, later, he figures all this out. And by Holy Spirit, he tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, a natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit. They don't make any sense to him. They're foolish. He cannot understand them because they're gained spiritually. That's why when your family finds out, you're going to church how often? You don't need to be going to church that often. Like, of course you don't think that because you're not saved. Of course you don't get it. You don't have the Holy Ghost. You're giving how much? How much? Giving it to God, huh? How are you giving that to God? That don't make any sense. Of course it doesn't make any sense. You don't have the Holy Ghost. Of course it doesn't make sense. The Bible said to him, don't stop arguing with people who have an incapacity to understand what you're saying. Like, stop. what are you arguing over, faith? If I win this argument, then you'll have faith. That's not what my Bible tells me. That's not how it works. Faith is either a gift of the Spirit or it's fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of arguments. Yeah. We're to love people in the faith. Amen? Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop arguing doctrine with people who aren't even saved. It doesn't make any sense. 
Now, we are supposed to have a defense for our faith, and we should be able to explain. We're not supposed to be doing stupid stuff just for the sake of doing stupid stuff and calling it faith. We should be able to look at the, the, the fruit of our life. Oof, running out of time here. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. I hope you're getting something out of this. So we're supposed to discern these things spiritually. And what I want you to know is the battle is over fear. The battle in your life is over fear. The, 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 the financial decisions in your life, too often they're based on fear instead of allowing money to co-labor with God's plan for our life. Money's a, a great tool to terrible God. It's a great tool, but it's a terrible God. And, and when we allow money to become the point of our life, all of a sudden we have devalued our lives. Right? Are you with me? God's desire is that you would co-labor with his redemptive work on the earth. And finances are a tool to do that. Not the only tool. Not even the best tool. But they are a tool. The challenge with finances, though, is there's such a spirituality over them that they can easily, easily dictate the decisions of life. And that's when we've fallen into a trap. That's why the enemy tries to slander pastors for talking about money. Because the enemy understands how powerful it is if your finances get lined up with the kingdom. And wants to inoculate you from the blessings that comes from that. They're all hypocrites. Why would the enemy say that all Christians are hypocrites? I've met a lot of Christians. A couple were hypocrites, I guess. But why would the enemy say they're all hypocrites? Because they don't want you to listen to what they're saying. He wants to inoculate you from wisdom. All they want is money. Have you looked at our digs? I mean, I don't, I really feel like, I don't even see how that bears truth. I'm really not doing a good job, if that's the truth. Let me say this. So Jesus said, don't store up for your money on earth where it can rot, but store your treasures in heaven. So obviously there's a way that our stuff gives us access in heaven. Let me, let me give you an example. I pray all the time that you would own houses in Boca. I mean, we pray it all the time. I want you to own property in Boca. I own a house in Boca. That means part of Boca Raton belongs to me. That gives me authority in Boca Raton. That gives me authority. I get to stand on a piece of land in Boca Raton and say, Jesus, have your way here in my city. I own this right here. I own this. And this might sound crazy, but during uh, Hurricane Irma... Now, now, you just got to hear me. Some of you, this might sound a little crazy, but so the hurricane's coming and the Lord told me we weren't going to be destroyed by it, right? I have a video before it happened. He spoke of scripture, said destruction's going to pass us by. We weren't sure if we were going to leave or not. He told me destruction's passing us by. I said, we're staying, right? We, my family, not wouldn't run anybody else's life. And so I went in my yard and I told the angels where I need them to stand and protect my house, protect my land, right? And so I stationed them at the four corners. Now, I did not know that part of the fence was mine. So I had them on the wrong side of the fence. My house was perfectly fine. My fence was destroyed on the side. Wow. I wish I'd... Well, actually, I, a friend blessed me with a new fence, so it actually kind of worked out. But um, <laughs> the Lord works in mysterious ways, amen, because I really needed a new fence. So, <clears throat> Amen. Are, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you okay? <clears throat> okay, so here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. If you're taking notes, write this down. Every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. 
Every act of obedience to Jesus, wow, is sowing into your future. Every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. This is why the enemy fights you on it. Like, if you ever thought, like, should I give this homeless person money? They might get drunk on it. Like, you need $3 that badly. Like that 50 cents in your, come on. Like that 50 cents in your center console. Like, you'll throw 30 bucks at a meal and not think about it. I got nine pennies over here, but he might get drunk. I don't know. Is it possible that the Lord actually believes if we give to the poor, we lend to the Lord? Is it possible that the Bible is true and the enemy doesn't want us to partake in being generous? Like, I don't know. That's a nickel there. I don't know. I thought it was just pennies. No. Right? Are, are you with me? I hope we're on the same page here. <clears throat> okay. So that brings us to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, we meet a man named Cornelius, right? Cornelius was, was much like myself, an Italian man, right? And so he was, uh, he was, he was, <laughs> uh, he was a Roman guy. He wasn't a Jew. <laughs> Come on, all these Romans were Italian. I'm just believing I'm, re- you know, I don't know. And so I don't know where I was going with that. And so uh, Cornelius, we meet this man. He's a, he's a, he's a soldier and he is a Roman and uh, so we pick him up in uh, Acts 10, verse 2, and uh, he's a devout man, we read, and one who feared God with all his household and gave, gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continuously. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God, okay? Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now, we see in the Bible, your tithe is the first 10% of your increase, which you consecrate to the Lord. Your offerings are anything above your tithe, which goes to the work of the gospel. And now your alms are those giving to those in need. You can give money, give stuff, but you're giving to those in need. You could biblically call, if you take part in our um, buying toys for the foster kids, you could consider those alms. I'm giving to those in need. Amen? When you give to homeless people, you're giving alms. You're giving to those in need. If you're sending your tithe to Africa, you're neither tithing nor giving alms because you're not actually meeting the biblical requirement of it. So we have our our tithes, our offering, and our alms. Now, we see here, Cornelius, it says, your, your offering, your prayer, and your alms have come as a memorial before the Lord. Now, this is, this is I, like, we can read the Bible and not recognize how crazy some of this stuff is, right? This guy wasn't a Jew. He had no reason to expect God to see him. He wasn't in the covenant, wasn't a Christian, wasn't, wasn't a Jew. But an angel showed up in his house. And what did the angel say? God has seen your giving. The money you gave, you gave has come up to heaven before God. That's crazy, right? Like, we normalize these things. And that's crazy. But the angel said, God has seen your giving. Wow. All right. And so we we see the story picks up in verse five. He had been giving his money to the Jews in need in Jerusalem. And we pick the story up. The angel tells him, now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is called Peter. So now he's saying, you've been giving your money. Now I need you to get some of your business, the people that you're over, 
and also employ them in the work and go send for Simon Peter to come to your house. <clears throat> How much money would you pay to have Peter come to your house? Can you imagine what that prayer meeting was like? Peter, the guy who prayed Pentecost in. Peter, who was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Peter, the first among the disciples in your living room. Can you imagine what that prayer meeting was like? I mean, I mean, like you got your testimony, like, yeah, I prayed for, <laughs> prayed for somebody last month and their knee felt better. That's amazing. I remember when I was in a prayer meeting with Jesus and he became translucent as the Father came down from heaven. Okay, there's that. Yeah, that's something. That's something. I was in jail and I saw three people get saved. Awesome. I remember 5,000 one day that I baptized myself who got saved in one meeting. That, yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's, this is Peter we're talking about. Peter shows up at his house. And he's not even supposed to go to his house, but he comes to his house. And we look in verse 44, Acts 10, 44. It says, while, watch this, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell. Peter goes in there and preaches the gospel to Cornelius. All his family, all his people are there. Cor Cornelius is giving. He's praying. Angel shows up. Hey, we saw your giving. Why don't you go ahead and get Peter to come here and have a little salvation meeting in your house for your family. Peter shows up. I got to believe if anybody's going to preach your family into believing, it's going to be Peter. Amen? I have a feeling he's got a way with words in the Holy Spirit that something could happen. We see here, Acts 10, 44. While Peter was still speaking, he was preaching the gospel, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. Sweet Jesus from heaven. That had to be a good moment right there. So he's there with the family. Holy Ghost falls in the room. This guy got a private meeting with the apostle Peter and the Holy Ghost fell in his house. Watch this, verse 48. And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to stay on for a few days. That sounded like a smart move right there, right? Why don't you, why don't you stay here for a little bit, Peter? How about forever? Take my bed. Just stay. Just stay. Why did I tell you this story? Cornelius' generosity leads directly to his God encounter and the salvation of his family. I've just showed you in Scripture. His generosity directly led to his God encounter and to the salvation of his family. That is crazy. That's in Scripture. Every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. Every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. Offerings and money was a common theme of Paul's. Uh, there was a, a famine in uh, Jerusalem, and uh, Paul wrote a lot about receiving an offering for it. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it's either 7 or 9, uh, this is so funny, but, but, but uh, he writes, Paul writes, hey, listen, I'm coming, and I'm coming with, with some guys from Macedonia, and uh, I, don't embarrass me by not having an offering ready. This is what he says to him. Don't, you better have my money ready when I get there. Don't make me look bad in front of these people. Get the offering together and have it ready when I get there. He's serious about it. He, he's, he's, he, wasn't, he wasn't afraid. Have the money ready, this offering for Jerusalem. Have it ready. He's telling them, it's our duty to give. And so he says, 
Paul talks about the, you know, the offering is for supporting those who minister the gospel. It's, it's, it's for uh, the needs of people. Like he goes through all the lists, but this one is like, hey, Jerusalem is suffering from a famine. You need to give in this offering. And so he talks about this importance of generosity. Let's pick up 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 10. This is, what, this is what he says. He says, now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower. He's talking directly about those of you who will sow into this offering for Jerusalem. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality or generosity, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Three things I want you to see here very, very quickly in this scripture. Number one, sometimes God, the money God gives us is, is, is bread, and we're supposed to eat it and pay our bills. Other times, it's seed. We better know the difference between the seed and the bread. Because if we don't sow in the time of sowing, we will not harvest in harvest time. If you're eating all your seed, you're going to be hungry next season. Right? That just makes sense. We need to be understanding there's seed and there's bread. Genesis 8.22, he says, hey, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest time. Winter, summer, cold and hot. Seed time and harvest time will remain. And I'm here to let you know, there is still seed time and harvest time on the earth. When you sow to God, there is a reward. So I want you to see there's seed, there's bread, but I also want you to see this in verse 11. At the end of verse 10, excuse me, the end of verse 10, he says that your giving is going to be an increase in your righteousness. And then in verse 11, listen to this. He says, you'll be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Your gift, watch this again. Watch this, watch this pattern again. You're giving to Paul. Paul's taking it to Jerusalem. He's taking it and he is feeding those who are hungry in the church. Those people know that these are offerings and they go to God with thanks. That giving went to God again as thanksgiving. Your offering, again, we see in Scripture, produces thanks to God. Your offering, again, is before the throne of heaven. And Paul says, as you're doing that, he's going to increase your seed and your bread. Not just what you're supposed to sow, but also what you're supposed to keep. Both of it increases. Amen? Amen. Are, are you with me on this? Are you making sense? I want you to see, your generosity is seen by God and will bring an increase in your life. Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? Your generosity, come on, amen. Your gen come on. Your generosity is seen by God and will produce an increase in your life. Every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. Every act. God sees it, and you're sowing into your future. Watch this. Oh, boy. <clears throat> so, Paul, are, are we okay? Are we still friends? You're not going to sleep or anything, right? We're good? So Paul, right, is going everywhere, right? He's collecting this offering. We read about it all the time. He's collecting this offering for Jerusalem. Collecting this offering. He's talking about it all over the place. Let's remember what happened earlier in Jerusalem, shall we? Acts chapter 4. Let's start in verse 34. Watch this. Remember there was an outpouring, and the Spirit of God told them to give. Watch this. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the feet of the, at, at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as they had need. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, who owned a tract of land, laid him at the apostles' feet. I need you to see this. 
Spirit of Christ fell in a very, very, very significant way in Jerusalem. The apostles and all the believers, they, they, they sensed in the spirit, it's time to sow. It's time to sow seed. It's time to sow seed. And they sowed everything. Number one, I want you to see, this is a first fruit offering for the church. This was a first fruit offering. The church gave everything. They gave everything. It was a first fruit offering. Second thing I want you to see is, they had no idea what was coming. There was no idea the people in Jerusalem knew a famine was coming. They didn't know. And how could they prepare for a famine? Could they store up so much that they could ride out an entire famine? Probably not. And so they gave everything, and then the famine comes. And it's possible after generosity, you're thinking, should I have been that generous? Maybe I missed it, man. I really need that money now. Has that ever happened to you? You're like, man, maybe I, I really could use that now. Like, did God know I was going to be in a famine here? God knew there a famine was coming, and they needed way more than their plot of land could provide. They sowed everything, and then all through the famine. This is years later. This is years later. Paul is still getting offerings from them from all over, all over the Christendom. They sowed everything one time, and now Paul is going everywhere collecting money to come back to them. Amen? Amen? Listen, your generosity in this season is preparing a place for you in the next season. Your generosity in this season, come up, Mike, is preparing a place for you in the next season. Listen, I just, want, I just want to encourage you who are faithful to God in your finances. I need you to be trusting that God is leading you. Every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. Amen? Now let's think about Barnabas here at the end of the story. What about Barnabas with the, with the two names? That's, that's got to be something right there, right? He's got the two names. Well, Barnabas sold his tract of land, laid the money at the apostles' feet. Number one, I want you to see that Barnabas was a Levite we just read. Levites aren't supposed to own land. Why did Barnabas have a tract of land? When the Holy Ghost invades your life, when you get saved and you get converted, he starts dealing with stuff that you think are just, well, that's in the past now. He's like, yeah, it's in the past. Let's bring it into the future and get it right. So we see, turn down a little bit, please. So we see that Barnabas gets this piece of land, he sells it, and he sows it into the work of the gospel. Maybe it was just repentance, but that's not the last we hear about Barnabas in the New Testament. We, we, in Acts chapter 9, we see that it's Barnabas who vouched for Paul to the apostles. So apparently he had grown in such favor with the apostles that he can vouch for Paul, who they thought was a murderer. Then we see that he becomes Paul's partner in Antioch. And in Antioch, they consider him one of the apostles and teachers as we look at the scriptures. He went with Paul on his missionary journey to or he went to bring the offering to Judea. But then he goes on his missionary journey with Paul, traveling all throughout the land. His cousin, John Mark, gets introduced because of his faithfulness. On and on and on, we see Barnabas in the scriptures. Maybe God said, that plot of land is going to tie you to somewhere I need to send you from. God has a plan. In every act of obedience... To Jesus is sowing into your future. Ah. Amen? Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Wow. Wow. Ha. Ah. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. And I thank you, Lord, for all the faithful givers in this house. So many people who have given, who had to rearrange their budget just to stay faithful to you, Father. So many people who have wondered, Father. I just feel it in my spirit. So many people have wondered, God, I've been faithful to you. Where have you been? I'm here to let you know he's been faithful. And he's working on your behalf. Your offering has come up as a memorial before God. I just, I just hear him. I just hear the Lord. Listen, it doesn't always happen in our timing because he's doing things that we don't know about. But you can trust him. And so I just declare in the name of Jesus, I declare an increase. I declare an abundance. I just feel like there's people with some, with some business deals right on the horizon and you're not sure how it's going to work out and you're not sure if you can go forward. And I just see the Lord pouring out in abundance. I see, what I see is a stack of blueprints with a stack of money on top of it. I don't know if that speaks to somebody or not, but I just see, I see a stack of money on top of it. And I just declare, God has the finances for the plans he's given you. That's a good word right there. I'd, I'd receive that one myself. That's a good word. God has the finances for the plans he's given you. And I just declare an abundance in your life. I have the prayer team come forward. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to pray for you in a second, but I got some people up front who'd love to pray for you. If you need to get right with God, if you need to get deliverance, if you need healing in your body, or if you're just saying, you know, I just, I just need, I just need a refreshing. I welcome you to come forward to the prayer team. Father, we love you this morning. We love you, love you, love you. I thank you that you're alive, and I thank you that you want to bless the people. You want to bless your people. You're a good father. You have good things, Father. And I thank you. I'm sorry I'm going a little long here, but I just, I just see some of you, like your financial breakthrough is going to be just like an ability to do a better job at work. A supernatural ability to just do a better job at work. And gaining the favor of your uh, employer. Can you turn that down one touch, please? Just, just one second. I just, there's some people like what you do with your money really matters. And there's some of you like there's investments coming up that God wants to really have his hand in. He really wants to guide you in that. Don't, don't put a wall between God and your finances because he really, whatever God touches grows, I have found. It only gets better. Amen? Amen? Anybody else got a testimony? Whatever God touches gets better. Amen? Amen? And so I just believe the Lord wants to touch some people in the area of finances. And so, again, we're not receiving an offering, although I, I don't mind telling you, get one of them little things and help a kid in foster care. Amen? There's a good place to sow some seed. There's a good place to sow some seed. Tell your neighbor. He's talking to you. So, Father, I bless these under the sound of my voice. I pray, Father, that you would quickly confirm this word by blessing them in their finances. Yeah. And that there would be an increase in their righteousness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Give a clap off for the Lord if you would.